All right, so bonus round. Let's talk about miniatures. Let's talk about all the ins and outs, the things you've been learning as far as the manufacturing side, the designing side, the modeling side. Give me kind of the, the high level, you know, 10,000 foot view of what you guys have been learning as far as uh, miniatures. Well, the so we're breaking some, we're breaking the, the molds uh, in for miniatures. And that is a lot of, and a lot of miniature games, if you look at the miniatures, they're, I'm going to say that they're kind of glorified army men, right? They're, they're detailed, they're guys, you know, with holding clubs or weapons or monsters with a lot of detail. Um, we, because we're doing a, a Euro style game, we, you know, most of our games are meeple based, which are kind of these nondescript figures that might have a little bit of texture to them, but not a lot. But, you know, they represent more, it's more a theater of the imagination kind of thing. Well, when we wanted to do uh, prototypes, um, uh, we had a, our sculptor came up with basically clay miniatures that were very nondescript. So our miniatures are actually a nondescript, or they're kind of a merge between meeples and miniatures. Um, I'm going to tell you at this point, I'm in the prototype stage, and I'm just going to let everybody know that when they hear that there's 3D printers out there, 3D printers are for small scale prototyping. They can, they are not for mass producing anything. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I'm just letting just anybody that's thinking that they can, you know, make use uh, 3D printers in order to make, you know, 20 games. Uh, it's a lot of work for a 3D printer. And it's a lot of cost. <clears throat> it's a lot of cost. It's going to take you forever. Right. Yes. The uh, the other thing is, is that you have an upfront cost with miniatures and that's your your mold cost. If you're going to do an injection molding for a large, um, you know, a large manufacturing deployment, your mold cost is what's going to be, be the bulk of your cost in the beginning. So and we have, you have to factor in that one time cost in the at the front. Well, and I could go one level of detail more into that. And that is before that, you know, we had somebody 3D model what we had already created in clay. So we sent the, the 3D modeler a, a, a clay version of our miniature. They created a 3D version of that. Uh, and then, uh, so you pay money for that, right? And then uh, you get that model and you decide you want to print enough to be able to show on a Kickstarter page or you want to use it in your game to prototype. So now you actually have to 3D print those. Well, you have to buy, you know, either if you don't have a printer, borrow a printer, you have to buy the the resin or whatever com uh, plastic component uh, that's feeding into that 3D printer. There's a lot of money that goes into that. And then next is that's all good. Now you're talking to the manufacturer who, by the way, probably is gonna repeat some of that process. Yes. So additional cost. And then you've got the mold cost uh, that adds into that, which can be depending on how you've got everything configured, you know, a few thousand dollars per mold. Um, so yeah, it adds up. So I think there are a lot of uh, things to be aware of if you decide to go down the plastic route. You've got to want to do miniatures. <laughs> you really do have to want to do miniatures, yes. Yeah, I feel like it, it really needs to add to your game if you're going to invest in this. Like if it's something that you could have that'd be nice, then maybe it's not the path to go down unless you've just got some kind of Kickstarter that, that you know makes a ton of money and you've got the extra extra funds. And so let's, let's talk a minute about the manufacturing side. Whenever you're talking to your manufacturer, do you just send them the 3D files and, and then they kind of go from there? Like, what, is, what does it look like when they're like, what do they need to kind of go to that next step and they're figuring out the molds and all that? So you go from the modeler, the modeler gives you um, gives you some files and then you hand those files over to your manufacturer and then the negotiation starts. 
So um, I don't have a whole lot of insight after I, we talk to the manufacturer and where that information is going. But the person we're talking to is not the, the plastic specialist. There's somebody else on the other side that's the plastic specialist. So now you're playing a game of telephone through a salesperson. And the best way at that point is that those files need to be they need to be self-explanatory, you know, and that's why I would recommend if you've got those files that you yourself go find, uh, you know, a some kind of 3D printing workshop in your city and try them out yourself just so that you can talk a language or understand, that, you know, what needs that what those files need to be in order for them to make sense, you know, you know, a couple steps removed from your communication. Like the, the example is, is that when I got it from my got the files from my modeler, they took all of the pieces, uh, my miniatures are made up of multiple pieces, and they put them in one file. The problem is with putting into one file is that if you're looking at it, it's not intuitive of what all the different pieces are. So uh, I had a friend of mine pull those files apart and separate all the pieces into, into individual pieces so that the back end person can assemble them however they want. So there's not an implied relationship with the files. I mean, it's nuance like that. It's like, how do you make the message simple so that you know it can survive probably a language barrier as well as a distance barrier? Yeah. Now, do you need a mold for each miniature or can you do like a bigger mold that has three or four? Like, what, tell me about the molds. Yes, the molds are, the idea with the mold is that if you, when you make miniatures, as long as all of the miniatures are the same color, then you can make a single mold. I don't know how many people remember this, but it used to be when you bought a, a board, you know, a board game, an old style board game that had plastic in it. You would, you know, when you would pull the plastic out, it would have this wire frame on it. And you had to kind of twist the plastic. Yeah, the sprue. Right. That what that is is that's a single mold that's making multiple pieces. So gotcha. if you think about that, then you know, if you have multiple different miniatures, you can have them in that plastic, in that plastic frame. And then when your manufacturer makes them, they twist them off and they put them in baggies or whatever in, into your game. But yes, you can have a single mold to have multiple multiple miniatures as long as those miniatures are all the same color. That makes sense? Yeah, definitely. And now what have you learned as far as uh, cost-cutting measures? I've, I've played some games where it was obvious that the uh, the plastic they used must have been a little cheaper as, as you know the, the miniatures were a little bent or made a little warped and things like that. So what have you been learning as far as costs of using different qualities of plastics? So we the the one thing that we've seen as a cost a cost cutting possibility, and I haven't got any kind of confirmation back from a manufacturer yet, is that historically molds have all been made out of metal, and metal molds cost a lot of money. Well, with three D printing, you can make plastic molds. Now the problem with plastic molds is they don't they have a very small you know shelf life. They don't last through like uh, you know maybe you can make a thousand runs through them, but if you think about it. A thousand copies of a game—that's I mean, a lot of copies of that game. I mean, maybe the the you know a a three D printed mold would do you know, but you'd have to pay you'd have to pay for every time it wore out. But I haven't seen that in the manufacturing line. I've been talking to plastics ex experts to try to figure out how to drive costs down in order to get you know cheaper molds, but I haven't seen that in board game manufacturers yet. Yeah. Now, have you talked to them about like differences in in? in the plastic it itself as far as like, well, here's a higher end plastic. Here's a more quality plastic versus this other one. No, we haven't, we haven't had that discussion with them yet. <laughs> gotcha. What do you, uh, what do you sound like you were going to say something? Yeah. The, the only other thing I was going to say is, uh, 
if you think about that last step in the miniature, you know, you've experienced all these costs you've paid along the way. All of that feeds into your offering, your pledge level price, right? Yeah. So think about how that's going to impact, you know, right. how much it costs you to actually sell this good through Kickstarter. So yeah, I, mean, a great I know point. that all sounds very logical, but it's it can really cause you to change directions. Yeah, for sure. You always have to be thinking about the price point because you can't just say, oh, we'll just add that that to the Kickstarter cost. Well, if you've all of a sudden taken a $30 game and made it a $40 game, well, is is it is this a $40 game? Are people going to spend $40 for this game when they think, no, this is really worth 30 because your, your value proposition has to line up, you know, because if it doesn't, it doesn't matter all the miniatures in the world. It's not going to matter unless you're, you know, Kingdom Death Monster or somebody like that. It's proven they can charge yeah. whatever they want. And people will give them millions of dollars. <laughs> All right, well, Jim, any kind of like closing thoughts, any other ideas, anything else you've been learning that would help somebody else who's maybe thinking about doing miniatures in their own game? We're still learning the rest of the ins and outs, like through where we are now, the 3D modeling, the printing uh, for prototypes, we can have a really good grasp of. So now, you know, let's talk in uh, two months and let's find out where we ended up. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. going to be fascinating to see what, what happened next. You know, I have a newfound respect for Legos. So I'm making miniatures that connect to each other, you know, that you have to build them, you kind of snap mm -hmm. pieces on. And the tolerances that that Lego plastic has in order to make connections, that is hard to do. You know, I've got 3D models where I'm trying to snap pieces on and just based upon the color of plastic, I, I'll get a variance in the size of the plastic builds, like a, a white plastic, um, builds bigger than a, a, a dark plastic. So the snaps and tolerances are different. And I mean, there's a bunch of just nuances about, you know, just the materials. You put a die in a material, it changes the material. It's not the same material as it was. And, you know, and I'm interested in having those conversations with the end manufacturer with the injection molding, because I'm assuming they have the kind of the similar problems that I'm having when I'm doing 3D printing. But yeah, you know, once again, I have a, I have a language barrier and a distance barrier between me and that person. <laughs> right. Well, awesome. Well, gentlemen, again, really appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on the show. Good luck with the Kickstarter. Good luck with figuring out all the other ins and outs of printing miniatures and whatnot. And uh, good luck with everything else you got going on right now. Uh, thank, thank you, you very Gabe. much.